Welcome to the Ortho Eval Pal Podcast, where we can help you build confidence with your orthopedic evaluation and management skills. We hope you enjoy the show. And now, for your host, Paul Marquis. Bonjour, mes amis. Comment ça va aujourd'hui? Mon nom, c'est Paul Marquis. Just kidding. <laughs> I thought I'd have a little fun with you guys today. I bet you're all looking at your computers thinking I downloaded the wrong podcast or something like that. Um, and then I feel sorry for the folks from Canada and France who are like, yes, he's going to do a podcast in French. That is totally awesome. Um, but I'm not going to do it in French because it would probably take me about two hours and I would totally butcher it because uh, my French uh, comes from an Acadian background, which is uh, would totally butcher the French language and um, wouldn't sound all that great uh, for you folks. Uh, I could make it happen, but uh, maybe uh, someday when I'm feeling really excited and uh, good about this. Uh, so on to episode 35, we're going to talk a little bit more about the cervical spine. And today we're going to talk about uh, something that I, I love to evaluate in the clinic. I find uh, the challenge of trying to identify the difference between the cervical spine causing problems in the shoulder or upper extremity versus shoulder dysfunction causing vice versa, pain in the neck or pain in the shoulder or upper extremity. Um, extremely, extremely challenging. And I really focus a lot on this because of all of the orthopedic problems that I evaluate, I find that this is an area where diagnostic imaging is way overused and there is a significant amount of money being lost in this realm of problems here. And I'm going to be talking about a couple of different things. I'm going to, I'm going to give you a list of pearls in our show notes today on uh, basically a list of what identifies a shoulder problem as a shoulder problem, what identifies a neck problem as a neck problem, and how to tease out the two of them. Um, we'll talk a little bit about a special test that I developed, but I'm going to do a podcast. Uh, my next podcast, actually, episode 36, I'm determining right now will be on this maneuver that I've developed and I love to use and has really uh, helped a lot of patients and cut down on diagnostic imaging, excess diagnostic imaging. Um, and uh, we'll talk about that a little bit. Um, I'll talk to you about some pointers on how to tease out the two because it can be extremely, extremely difficult. I'll be the first to tell you. Um, I just put up a, a YouTube video of a gentleman who um, I was trying to determine between cervical spine and shoulder, and I'm baffled. Uh, and so, uh, you know, if you take a look at that video, and uh, I'll probably throw that link into the show notes, uh, you know, look at it, give me some comments. Maybe you have uh, suggestions. I don't have the answer yet for this gentleman, uh, but we are definitely going to try to expedite some uh, diagnostic testing for him because something just doesn't look right. So, you know, um, I, I have many, many people and for many years uh, have been dealing with patients with cervical spine problems and shoulder problems. And they come in with, you know, diagnoses that just don't match up with uh, what they really have. And uh, so I want to try to teach you today how to sift that out, how to try to make you streamline your evaluation of cervical spine and shoulder a little bit better, and uh, talk to you about a few things that can really help drive you in a certain direction on how to have this patient managed, okay, not just treated, but managed. Do you send them to therapy? Do you send them for an MRI? Do you send them for an x-ray? Uh, do you send them to a neurologist or a neurosurgeon? And so uh, hopefully by the time this episode is done, um, you have a better 
feel for that. And really, that is why I'm here, okay? And not only because I'm super excited about what I do, uh, I'm also super excited about helping people become more confident with their orthopedic evaluation skills. And uh, so let's get started, okay? When you see patients with uh, cervical spine and uh, either shoulder dysfunction, scapular pain, axillary pain, uh, you know, oftentimes you think of, you know, things like a heart attack or, or something like that. If a patient comes in with anterior axillary discomfort or left-sided uh, arm pain, um, that's the first thing you think of. Move that arm, okay? If you move that arm and it hurts, it's probably a shoulder problem. It's probably not you know, uh, radiating, uh, it's probably not a referred pain uh, from the heart or uh, if it's right-sided from the gallbladder or anything like that. So if you move it and it hurts, um, then that tells you that immediate structure has an issue. Now, it's not uncommon to have a problem both with the cervical spine and shoulder, and uh, these are much trickier to evaluate. So some of the questions I ask, uh, first of all, is do you have any paresthesias? Do you have any tingling or, uh, you know, a sensation like your arm is falling asleep or anything like that? And if it is a cervical spine problem, it'll usually follow some sort of a dermatome, okay, if it is a neurologic issue. Now, we're going to uh, talk about thoracic outlet syndrome, which could fall into this category also, but we're going to keep that for another episode because that uh, that is also something that I think you should really know about. Um, so if they, if they say, yeah, you know, I've got this pain, it goes, I have this tingling, it goes down my arm and it goes into my thumb and uh, forefinger on the inside of, uh, you know, my middle finger also, uh, you need to be thinking of uh, a cervical spine lesion and not shoulder problem. So shoulders do not cause paresthesia, at least I've seen thousands of shoulder patients, and I don't know as I ever remember anybody with a isolated shoulder problem that caused paresthesia into the arm. Usually, there's something else going there, um, and so and and shoulder problems do not go past the elbow. So if somebody has a rotator cuff tear, they may have an impingement, they have an AC joint issue, they have shoulder arthritis. That pain never refers past the elbow. So if they tell you they have pain or paresthesias past the elbow, you need to be thinking cervical spine or maybe even carpal tunnel or something like that. But it's not a shoulder, okay? Difficulty sleeping. Now, this is a tricky one. I always ask this question, how well do you sleep? Why do you get up? And be very specific about that because they may say, I get up five times a night. And you're like, oh, gee, that's miserable, you know? And then you come to find out a couple of weeks later that they have a, you know, a urinary tract infection or something like that, and they're going to the bathroom all the time. So um, what you want to do is try to identify, is it, a, is it a sleeping position? Can they lay in a certain position? Typically with a cervical spine, if somebody has a facet problem or a herniated disc, I see this often, um, quite often, and or cervical spine foraminal stenosis. These folks do not like to sleep on their back with their neck extended or even in a neutral position. They'll often tell you they need a couple pillows to jack their head up into flexion to give themselves some relief. It'll take care of the chest pain. It'll take care of the scapular discomfort and sometimes pain down the arm. So that tells you right there that it's probably a cervical spine problem. Shoulders, if you roll onto a shoulder and it's painful, likely to be a tendonitis. If you uh, roll over on the other side um, and it causes you some discomfort, that could be a tendonitis or tear in the shoulder. And, um, you know, but I also see people um, changing their neck position to try to get their arm more comfortable. And you ask them, is it because of your neck position that causes you this problem or not? And if they say, yeah, it depends on where I put my neck. It's very particular. And that can help tell you that it's a cervical spine problem versus a shoulder problem also. Okay. 
don't miss this one, okay? Uh, chest pain, I see a lot of people with anterior uh, discomfort in the uh, anterior shoulder, into the axillary area, and into the scapula. When I was a young therapist, I treated more people with rhomboid dysfunction and, and levator scapulae syndrome. And uh, come to find out, all I had to do was traction their necks and they felt uh, significantly better. So um, this anterior uh, chest discomfort, if you traction them and that goes away, uh, can tell you that this is coming from their cervical spine and some sort of nerve root compression. Um, and so the other thing I like to do with patients is this. Okay. And sometimes they give you this information through the subjective part of the evaluation, but I'll ask them, do you ever put your arm over your head uh, and rest your forearm or your wrist on top of your head to get relief? And think about it. If it's a shoulder problem, that's typically not comfortable. That causes impingement. It's hard to get the arm up there if you have a rotator cuff problem. If you have an AC joint problem, that gets a little pinched. Um, and so they'll say, yeah, I get this significant amount of relief if my arm is up over my head. So I'm driving with my arm on my head. Um, that is kind of like a reverse straight leg raise of the lower extremity. So, you know, uh, in the leg, if you lay the patient flat on their back and you lift the leg straight up in the air and they get this pain at about 30 degrees, it shoots down the leg, you dorsiflex the foot, it gets even worse. Um, that is a positive straight leg raise test. Well, when your arm is down by your side and maybe abducted a little bit or even extended a little, that puts neural tension on the uh, the brachial plexus and the, uh, the nerve roots in the cervical spine. When you put the arm overhead, put the hand on your head, um, you're really putting that brachial plexus in at slack okay so you're taking some pressure off of those nerve roots and you get relief so don't miss that i mean that's a real simple one you put the arm on the head and they get some relief you really need to be thinking like a cervical spine herniated disc um, and or some sort of uh, cervical spine foraminal stenosis the other problem they could have is a nerve gliding issue. Uh, that gets really complicated, but if a nerve is not moving very well in the arm uh, or through the brachial plexus, it can give uh, symptoms that look like a rotator cuff tear um, or uh, all kinds of issues. Um, and that really gets technical. So maybe we'll do one on uh, nerve gliding type activities at some uh, point in the future. So those are little tidbits of information that you can ask that can really help to sort out you know, if this is a cervical spine problem or not. Range the shoulder, okay? So put the arm through range of motion. If they start to develop some pain, especially when you're getting it elevated and the pain is isolated to the shoulder and it's, you know, you can palpate it, um, poking at it, uh, can identify that it's a shoulder and, and not a cervical spine. Moving it around can cause some trouble, okay? Um, do some manual muscle testing of the shoulder. See if there's some weakness there or, um, you know, even do some special tests. And those special tests usually will be isolated to the shoulder. If you do a Hawkins-Kennedy test and you're pinching uh, and causing some uh, subacromial impingement, uh, that'll give you some discomfort directly in that area. Um, the nearest test straight overhead, that'll cause some impingement. Also, that will give you some shoulder dysfunction, some discomfort. Um, test reflexes. A patient with a shoulder issue rotator cuff problem, labral tear, arthritis, doesn't really matter what it is, will not have a decrease in reflexes or a, I shouldn't say a decrease in reflexes, but an alteration in reflexes or an asymmetry from one side to the other. Okay. So the reflexes don't change. Test their sensation. If they have a sensory issue, um, you know, lost sensation in one particular dermatome, you need to be thinking cervical spine because um, a shoulder problem will not cause a loss of sensation. Okay. 
do manual muscle testing distally, okay? So um, thumb and finger opposition, wrist flexion, wrist extension, um, intrinsics, you know, test those out. If those are weak, it's not a shoulder problem because you're really not affecting the shoulder when you're testing those. And uh, so that can help drive you in the direction of cervical spine or shoulder, okay? Next thing I, I absolutely love to do is cervical spine traction. So if a patient comes in and they say, you know, I'm having a lot of pain over my shoulder, it starts in my, in my upper trap, kind of goes down into the deltoid region. Um, I lay them on the table. I tell them, do not move your arms. Think about how you feel. And then they might say, yeah, I'm getting a lot of discomfort in my arm, my shoulder. I traction them. I bring them into 15 degrees of flexion and I manually traction them 15 to 20 pounds. And usually within, if it's a cervical spine lesion, nerve root compression, you traction them, that shoulder pain goes away. You need to be thinking cervical spine. You move their neck around a little bit and they say, oh, that makes my arm numb or it gives me a real aching in my chest or aching in my scapula. Um, you know that it's cervical spine. Okay. So I make sure that patients are not moving the shoulder when I am working on the cervical spine, because if they're moving the shoulder and you're moving the neck and they have pain, you really can't tell which one it is. Okay. So I really isolate that. Um, so I will uh, leave with you a list in the show notes um, of some common findings of cervical spine dysfunction common findings of shoulder dysfunction. And that way you can kind of look at that if you, and use it as a cheat sheet in your office, you know, just kind of post it up there and uh, use it as a cheat sheet and uh, to help identify if it's a cervical spine lesion or not. And um, we will uh, be talking in the next episode about uh, what we call the marquee maneuver. This is a test that I uh, developed. It is not a formal test out there. It's not been um, well proven, you know, through uh, studies, uh, through journals or anything like that. We made an attempt to do that. Uh, we just did not have the uh, time uh, or the uh, connection to be able to uh, make that all happen. And uh, we will uh, talk about why that is. Uh, I'll talk about why I use that test and why I find it extremely, extremely reliable and uh, how we have helped patients uh, get better faster and improve their quality of life significantly and uh, how I not only use it as a diagnostic tool, but um, how we use it as a determinant on how patients do after cervical spine surgery. So uh, make sure you stay tuned for the next episode. We will be talking about that. And uh, again, uh, thank you all so much uh, for listening to our show. I'm uh, super excited to be doing this, and I hope that my passion uh, for orthopedic evaluation and uh, education uh, really carries over into um, your work, your clinic, your life, and uh, and in the lives of your patients so that you can more efficiently and effectively help them. Uh, so again, thanks a lot. Really appreciate your time, and until um, the next episode, Take care. We hope you've enjoyed the show. For some more awesome content, go to orthoevalpal.com. Can't wait to see you there.